This morning, God's Word comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts 2. We're going to begin our reading of God's Word at verse 36, and then read through verse 41 of this chapter. This is at the end of Peter's Pentecost sermon. We pick up the reading in Acts 2, verse 36. What we hear now is God's word. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to your Trinity Psalter once again, this time to the back section. The back section, page 884. This is Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 27, and this morning I'll read for you question and answers 72 through 74. Reading from page 884 in the back of the Trinity Psalter, question 72, does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No, only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. Question 73, why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the water of rebirth and the washing away of sins? God has good reasons for these words. To begin with, he wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ take away our sins just as water removes dirt from the body. But more importantly, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly washed of our sins spiritually as our bodies are washed with water physically. And then question 74, should infants also be baptized? Yes, infants as well as adults are included in God's covenant and people, and they no less than adults are promised deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith. Therefore, by baptism, the sign of the covenant, they too should be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. This was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced in the New Testament by baptism. 
Well, this morning, in God's good providence, we are in that section of the Catechism that deals with the sacrament of holy baptism. And when talking about the date for our baptism and this morning with the Leitenberg family, I was pleased that on my schedule I'd be preaching from Lord's Day 27 today about infant baptism. Now, those of you who are astute recognize I wasn't here last week. And so we skipped Lord's Day 26. We may pick that up another time, uh, but today we are on to Lord's Day 27 and the beautiful teaching that infants as well as adults are to receive the covenant sign of baptism. Certainly, the baptism of our children is one of the things that distinguishes Reformed churches from evangelical churches. We baptize not only believers, we baptize believers and their children. And, and more than just offering that, our confession and our church teaches, this is required for us. It's required in Scripture that the covenant sign be given to infants as well as adults. Notice, notice question 74. It doesn't say may children be baptized. Should infants also be baptized? It's a reminder of the glorious grace of God that as this child is brought forward, they receive the glorious promises without doing anything. God takes the initiative. God comes to us. We looked this morning at the end of Peter's Pentecost sermon, a sermon that concluded with instructions about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. I ha would say just sort of parenthetically regarding the outline on the uh, liturgy this morning, I have sacramental language and covenantal language and biblical language. Uh, these categories are not meant to be mutually exclusive as if one is either sacramental or covenantal or biblical. These obviously overlap and fit together, but they are a different focus and different perspective as we talk about the beauty of baptism being given to infants as well as adults. I was asked one Lord's Day morning many years ago after a baptism service, someone said to me, does the baptism really do anything? Does the baptism do anything? After all, it's only water put on the outside of a child. And, and when you read our form, it almost sounds like baptism itself is that which accomplishes the washing away of our sins. So the question was, does baptism really do anything? We remind ourselves that our confession, our forms, when describing the sacraments, use sacramental language. And what I mean by that is we often attribute to the sign what is true of that which is signified. We attribute to the sign what is true of that which is signified. And of course, we know that Christ himself did that when he established the Lord's Supper. He said, this is my body which is for you, for the remission of sins. Well, his body, it was only bread. But he attributed to the sign that which was true of that which is being signified. The same is true in baptism. 
And that's question 72 of the Catechism. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away our sins? No. Only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all our sins. It is merely external. It is merely outward. Of course, children, you know that. That the water placed on Penelope's head this morning was only water and was only outside. How could that external water do anything with regard to internal sins of the heart? It is an external reminder of an internal reality. That's the nature of sacramental language. It points us to a particular truth, a truth about what is going on in the sacrament, that we are washed by the blood and the Spirit of Christ. The picture of baptism, a picture of washing, we are washed in Christ's blood. The blood shed on the cross, the blood which reminds us of his death, going down into the grave with him, our sins born by him, down to the grave, and then the newness of life, the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ's blood and spirit wash us, our sins taken away, and new life given. I suppose you could say, yes, it is only external, but it's an external picture of an internal reality. If that's the case, then the question, next question of the Catechism, very obvious question, well, if it is only external, if the outward washing doesn't wash away sins, why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the, birth, the water of rebirth and the washing away of our sins? Why does the Holy Spirit himself use this sacramental language? God has good reason for these words. To begin with, he wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ take away our sins just as water removes dirt from the body. He wants to teach us in the picture. Teach us that our sins truly are forgiven. In fact, that's, what Pe that's the language Peter uses in verse 38. When they say, what shall we do? He says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. He doesn't say be baptized as a picture of the forgiveness of your sins, as a pointer of the forgiveness of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. God wants to teach us that baptism, just as surely as that water is placed on us externally, we are internally washed by Christ's blood and by Christ's Spirit, just like water washes away dirt from the body. Oh, kids, you've heard me say it a number of times when we have a baptism. Just like washing your hands takes the outside dirt away. The water of baptism is a picture, an external picture of an internal truth that God washes our sins away. He wants to teach us and he wants to assure us. That's the second part of question 73. But more importantly, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly washed of our sins spiritually as our bodies are washed with water physically. Every time we see a baptism, we are once again assured, we are once again reminded it is true, 
it is true, it is really true. Assured that just like water washes me physically, I am spiritually washed by the blood and spirit of Christ. A beautiful picture, a beautiful reminder. It's a teacher to us. It's an assurance to us. And the language used of the reality taking place is that wonderful sacramental language, what God has done for his people. It's also a reminder of God's relationship with his people. That relationship which we call the covenant. God comes to us and enters into an agreement, a relationship with us. He says, I will be your God. And you are responsible to be my people. A covenantal relationship. And that covenantal relationship includes not only adults, includes children as well. Children are included in the covenant. Some people say they're uncomfortable with that. Children be included because, because children can't do anything at this point to express their faith. I guess I would remind us, how is it that adults are saved? How, why are adults saved? Adults are saved because God in His mercy has chosen them for eternal life. Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before in Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. How is anyone saved? Because of the electing love of God. That's how adults are saved. God has chosen them to be his own. How are children saved? It's the same way. It's because of the electing love of God. God elects his own, infants as well as adults, recipients of that glorious election, that election before the foundations of the world. Our salvation is not because of something we have done or something we will do. Our salvation rests on what God has done. And therefore, infants, as well as adults, should receive that covenant sign, that sign of the promise of God, that sign accomplished through the work of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Question 74, should infants also be baptized? Yes, infants as well as adults are included in God's covenant and people, and they, no less than adults, are promised deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith. They are promised the deliverance of sin through Christ's blood. Jesus Christ would shed his blood for each and every one of his people. That includes adults, and that includes children. Infants as well as adults. Saved, washed, cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And of course, Peter makes reference to that in verse 39. The promise, the promise is for you 
and for your children. The promise of the forgiveness of sins for adults and for children as well, infants as well as adults, receiving that glorious promise and and being given that covenant sign and brought into the family. Brought into the family and called then as they mature to express that faith. Our, 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 Our gift of salvation we respond to in faith. And, and, and these children who come to the baptismal font will, in God's good providence, in his, in his time, respond to him in faith. That is our prayer. Our children must respond. So we teach them. We instruct them. We teach them that they are sinful just like their parents are sinful. And we teach them that they are saved just like their parents are saved because of the finished work of Christ alone. They should receive this covenant sign. And of course, this receiving of the sign of the promise is consistent with the rest of Scripture. It is biblical language when we talk about baptizing believers and their children. Children, too, are received into the people of God. There is a connection between the sign and the blessing, again from our confession. They, no less than adults, are promised deliverance from sin through through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith in them. Therefore, by baptism, the sign of the covenant, they too should be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. They are to be incorporated into the church because they always have been. In the Old Testament, infants as well as adults were given the covenant sign. The sign was given to Abraham and to his children. One of the pictures already in the Old Testament of baptism is the Red Sea event where Israel goes through the Red Sea. That's described in 1 Corinthians 10 as a baptism for them. What happened, kids? When they were getting ready to go through the Red Sea, did the families come to the edge of the Red Sea and the parents said to the children, now you stay here while we go through? The children were included. The children were brought along. That's the biblical picture in 1 Corinthians 10. They too were baptized in the sea and brought through. The children, infants, as well as adults, given that picture, that sign of baptism. And in the New Testament, in the New Testament era, we see God being, if I can put it this way, even more gracious even more inclusive. In the Old Testament, by the nature of the sign of circumcision, only males could receive it. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, after the coming of Jesus Christ, not only males, but females as well can receive the covenant sign of baptism. That's the beautiful picture of the glorious grace of God. And to say now, to say now that while children were included in the Old Testament, But now in the New Testament era, after the coming of Christ, the reality to which the sign points, now children are excluded, flies in the face of God's unfolding work of redemption. As they always have been in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, children included by giving them the covenant sign. Certainly after we have the reality in Jesus Christ. And our children then, are to be distinguished from the children of unbelievers. 
we are to raise our children as believers. We're not to treat our children as if they are little Philistines. They might act like that sometimes. We don't treat them that way. They are part of the covenant. They're part of the church. They are not potential church members. They are members. And I think, I think sometimes our thinking gets a little um, confused about that. Uh, sometimes our children who've been raised in the church uh, will come to me and they will say, Reverend Niemeyer, uh, I would like to join the church, meaning they would like to make profession of faith. And that's a wonderful thing. And we pray for that day. But I tell them, you right now belong to the church. The sign of inclusion in the church is the sign of baptism. Penelope is a member of this church just as much a member as I am or as any one of you are. Now, to be sure, those of us who are older have more privileges of membership. But we are not more members than she is. She is a member of this church by baptism, as every one of you children are who have been baptized. Members of the church by baptism. We treat you as if you belong, as if this is where you should be. Of course, that obligates us as parents to teach our children that they have been set apart. That obligates us as a church to join in that task of raising these little ones to help them in the nursery and in Sunday school and in catechism class to learn the glorious truths of who Jesus Christ is, to pray for them, that God would bring them to the place where they would embrace all the blessings they have been given. Baptism obligates us as parents, as a church, it obligates the children as well. Children, we pray for you. I pray for you, the elders pray for you, your parents pray for you, the church prays for you, that you would grow, that you would mature in the faith, and that you would come to the place where you will fulfill your obligation to embrace all of these covenant promises personally. It's a blessing to be baptized. Yes, something does happen. It's not merely an outward sign. There is an inward reality taking place. Baptism given to infants as well as adults. They too receive the sign. They too receive the promise. They too are called to respond in covenant faithfulness. And of course, Peter says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. If you are here this morning and have never responded to the call of the gospel, if you have never received that covenant sign, the reminder of the promise, then God calls you this morning to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to look to Him as the one who can wash you just as surely as water washes me physically. By Christ's blood, you'll be washed spiritually. He calls you to embrace Jesus Christ, to embrace Him by faith, to love Him, and you also to receive that glorious covenant sign of baptism. Yes, the promise is for you. It is for your children. It is for all who are far off.
This is God's grace. This is God's love. It is for adults. It is for infants as well as adults. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for the means of grace, the visible signs and seals which you give to us. Thank you we could celebrate that this morning. Thank you we could see in your holy word how, how you from the beginning have included our children along with us. We praise you for your electing love. We praise you for your goodness to us. We praise you for the gift of faith by the power of your Holy Spirit that we can embrace all these promises that are given to us in Jesus Christ. Accept our praise, O God, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We are going to turn to number 192 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 192, O God, great Father, Lord and King, our children unto thee we bring, and strong in faith and hope and love, we dare thy steadfast word to prove. Thy covenant kindness did of old our fathers and their seed enfold. That ancient promise stand sure and shall while heaven and earth endure. We're going to stand together and sing the five verses, number 192. 